Oh, good. I'm going to take you on a tour of the Guide to the SE Language. I've been working on this program for a long time. I started doing workshops in the SE Language in, I was figuring out, like 2007 was when I did my first ones on knowing our lines. And that just progressed to other things, practicing our lines, communicating with traumatized clients, the Guide to the SE Language, and... Let me take you on a tour answering or kind of looking at one of the fundamental questions or fundamental questions. Is that a right phrase? Uh, one of the primary constant consistent questions I receive from SE practitioners and that I have observed in myself as an SE practitioner when I was coming up in the work and just know about, you know about this one. You ask a client to notice something to track something, to pay attention to something, and to just feel that and see what happens next. And now we use that phrase in the training all the time, and we see it work in demonstrations all the time. We even do it with ourselves when we're shooken up after we've been in the training for a while and we have some kind of thing happen in our own lives and we feel ourselves some kind of uh, at easeness and we say to ourselves something like just be curious about what you notice see the tension in your chest feel the tension in your shoulders and be curious what happens next and we see that phrase we see that work with folks in certain places at certain times and we we grow to kind of appreciate the power of allowing a person permission, encouraging a person to take enough time and permission to kind of notice what happens next. And yet, many of us, when we use that phrase in the real world, out in sessions, out in our offices and such, we ask people to what do you notice? Oh, can you feel that? Can you let yourself just be with that? Can you let yourself feel that and see what happens next? We launch into that. And, you know, I don't know, it doesn't take long for some folks to start thinking about other things, to be attending to other things, to wonder why we're paying attention to the tension in our chest, which I can kind of understand why you would wonder why you're being asked to pay attention to the tension in your chest it's an understandable worry and question like if this is uncomfortable why are you asking me to pay attention to it i want it to go away i don't want to pay attention to it there are all kinds of challenges to that notion just let that happen and see what happens next that open curiosity that really we're at our at our most hopeful we're really hoping to employ with folks and we get to see that work with folks that are ready for it and then with folks that aren't ready for it when we try to use that invitation that intervention that request when we try to say hey let's just let that be and let your attention continue hoping that they've already attended to it in some way continue to pay attention to it what then comes out of that? And we hope to be able to use that 
And if we don't set things up well, that actually, that request, I think you found this. I know that I certainly have gone through this and a lot of people who go through this. It burns our capacity to ask questions like that again. Having used those questions prematurely, we often decrease our chances of being successful using those same questions in the future. And that's if we don't prepare our clients to succeed with these kinds of questions. Then by simply using the questions that we've learned in the training and the lines we've learned in the training and we've absorbed by watching the demonstrations and playing with each other in our triads and all our, our practices and such, and using that with folks who haven't heard all of those lines before and aren't invested in the same way. And to be kind of thrown into the request can oftentimes, um, it, it can just lead to us wasting our request of people's attention to follow where we're trying to guide them. And, you know, understandably so, a lot of us start giving up on asking such questions because they didn't go anywhere. And since they didn't go anywhere and the clients now stiffen when we ask those questions, we stop asking them and then we sit there and we think to ourselves, I'm back here doing narrative therapy again and I meant to do somatic experiencing, but I don't know how to get back there again. And while that might be its own issue, in the first place, we want to just know that, that there are adaptations to our language that often need to be made from where we're going, the fluency and appreciation of that line, being able to accept the request and participate with it. That's where we would like to take somebody. And being able to see all the requirements and helpful hints of attention that could be found along the way. And that's, that's what I have done in the guide to the SE language. I've tried to name out both a bunch of those particular steps and many of the hallmarks of the attentional cues and the rhythms and patterns of speaking that we can use as practitioners that can help to translate the lines that we use in the training to our clients so that when we ask those kinds of very common requests in SE, we can actually get some success with that. And if I just give you a quick momentary tour here of the guide to the SE language, I'll just kind of point out a couple chapters in the guide to the SE language. So we're talking here from the archives page right now on the SE Reflections podcast. And maybe you're watching this on your podcast feed. And if you were to go to SE Reflections, the website, and head to the offerings page, from the offerings page, you'd find the guide to the SE language, which I'm reinforcing right now as a kind of valuable thing for SE practitioners to investigate. This is something that really made to help SE practitioners feel more just fluent and comfortable in their speaking. So this is a paid program. It helps me to maintain the work on SE Reflections. And in the program itself is a long list. Here I've jumped into the program past the dashboard. Is a long compendium, really, of the various different communication strategies or insights 
insights is maybe the better word, out of the psychobiology of speaking to the reactions that take place in the traumatic reaction and how to communicate through an SE lens to people who are on guard from their experience and how to make our request titrated, sufficiently successful or structured for success so that we guide our clients into the process of doing SE from the position of empowerment and curiosity and enjoyment, even if it done little bits at a time, even if that's the case, but definitely not to ask of them uh, something of a um, an enthusiastic request of just doing the work with us, which they're not yet prepared to do. And a lot of that requires us, our increased sophistication in our communication to make our request something that people will want and be able to participate with. So again, going back into the into the guide here, I've just called up, maybe I've called up three, three chapters from within all that there is here. Looking again, specifically at this issue, let's just listen in on some of these for a moment. Terry experience that requires, I call it observational sufficiency, like enough observation of the thing, enough investment in watching the thing, enough interest in what the thing is, enough appreciation of it as being worth your time, enough trust in the safety of the moment that you don't have to turn your attention to something else. You have to have a sufficiency of these kinds of things in order for a person to continue to observe this track and not get taken by another thought, not be taken by the silence in the room, thinking that like maybe the practitioner is thinking they're doing something weird, that their behavior is off, if it's some kind of weird feeling, et cetera, et cetera. How to get observational sufficiency or what it means. This is the, this is the signal for me that I'm going for. This is the signal. When a person starts telling me things that they have, that I have not asked for, about, that are associated and that are closely associated to the thing that we are already talking about, when, when it's associated, interesting and unsolicited, then I know, or I have the, like I have a lot of evidence at that point that says, oh, this, this person is observing this thing. They're like interested in this thing. They're, this, this has their attention. And if I then do that magic, hey, let's just see what happens then. Let's just let that happen. If I go toward that, I can assume that the momentum of their attention watching this thing is going to facilitate or kind of help keep them there with it long enough for them to notice a change. So without observational sufficiency, we ask a person to pay attention to what they're noticing. They don't care about it. They're not actually observing it very much. How long is their attention going to stay with it? How much did we just lose by asking them to do something that they weren't going to do, that they weren't going to be successful with, that they weren't going to care enough about? We would be better off 
to cut that back or hold that back, waiting to cultivate all of the different, as I was kind of describing the light switches, but the different kind of like things that turn up the sense of attention, interest, curiosity, and association that breed observational sufficiency. So let me just take another moment of your time while you're here, because why not? We're here. You're welcome to stay. I'm going to keep going. We'll just look at another chapter here on curiosity. We'll just step in three minutes. These are all three to five minutes. Some of them are 12, but they're, they're in the short, very concise and consolidated kind of perspective here. Let's look in at curiosity here. So cultivating an environment of curiosity and putting curiosity in your lines, in your voice, in your questions, it's, it's a, a classic basic element. Now, of course, questions in themselves are a way of kind of establishing curiosity, right? At the same time, you might choose to kind of broaden it out a little bit, like deepen the sense that you're curious by actually infusing some of your phrases with occasional, I'm curious about that. Oh, would you be willing to say more? Huh? You know, that's really interesting to me. I wonder if we could look at that a little bit together to kind of use um, question stems, which we'll look at, to use the starts of things to name that you're curious. When you see your clients come in some week in the future and they say, oh, you'll be really, you'll be really pleased to see. I was curious about this thing that was happening. When you hear them indicate increased curiosity, you know that you're kind of getting things moving in the right direction. It's with that curiosity that people are going to kind of go in and track their state with an unexpected expectancy, not knowing what's going to happen, but being curious and wondering what's going to happen next. Nobody knows yet. That, that's true. No, nobody knows what's going to happen next. Here's, here's another element that leads into this exact kind of thing. We're trying to get people to pay attention, notice what's happening, follow that, let themselves track that. That's really what we're into here is how do we help somebody successfully track an experience as it changes, as it pendulates, as it becomes different. And to be able to do any of that or recognize any of that, people really need to be paying attention to differences and having some awareness of differentiation rather than seeing everything as the same or as not changing or as um, just the same as it always is or it's it's all the same. Yeah, I guess I've just said the same thing several times because because it's just like that's that's what that sounds like, right? You've you've heard that. Um, we need to enhance, cultivate differentiation. And here's a here's a bit, just a little snip, snippet on a chapter on differentiation. If it's likely to do that, if it's going to do that, let's try to get more interest. Let's try to get more kind of differentiated parts of it so that as things start to change, they'll become interesting. When we enter into the body experience and we start from those kind of global questions, oh, what do you notice now? Very global. 
when we when we go from there to the next step if we then start to kind of take step by step back and forth questions in order to develop the picture or the the feeling state of what's happening we will help encourage a person's curiosity and will help them to notice that this is not what it else it could be it's not global it's one thing and that's different than another thing and so questions that kind of drill into a experience a declared i notice this kind of thing a a kind of a back and forth conversation that helps to differentiate where a thing is the intensity the valence whether you like it or you don't like it the depth how deep or how surface the side it's more to the right or more to the left the upper body or lower body the distance is it far is it close those kinds of questions or questions that help to draw attention to those kinds of differences help to build the pendulation terrain help to tell you what's going on and help to in increase the client's attention and participation with the investigation that you're making. So let's review those. Any kind of question, otherwise known as their observational sufficiency. No, no, that's just an element. You hit observational sufficiency and then you can keep going. But he goes over all of that. Me um, made years ago over a long effort. And here I am, I'm relaunching this as a version two in 2020 and between january and the end of march in 2020 i'm meeting a bunch with folks that are doing this program with me online to answer other questions i'm going to be bringing in material from the live workshops that were recorded particularly pieces from the practicing our lines workshops and i'm going to be filling in um a few elements that weren't really named, but in fact, this is a very complete kind of thing when you get in there. So let me name this. There's a sale. It's not a sale. There's a price change. It's been at a kind of base price of $250 for the last several years. And I'm going to move it up a little bit on January 10th. And then I'm going to move it up again on March 31st. So there's a kind of thing there. I'd very much love to have your participation in joining me with this. If you're struggling with your words, if you're wondering in your SE sessions, like, why do I say that's it? Why do I say, um, you know, feel your feet on the ground? When do I say feel your feet on the ground? When do I ask? What do you feel? When do I tell a person what to feel as compared to when do I ask a person what they feel as one kind of example? Uh, SE Guide to the SE Language. It's something I made over a long period of time for SE practitioners like yourself. Okay, I'm Twig from sereflections.com. I'm out there cheering for you and your work. I will get back to publishing on the free public part of the site when, uh, whenever I'm able to. For now, I'm focused in on improving these paid programs and making them as complete and polished as I can. I hope you'll join me. Okay, take good care. Bye-bye now. Oh, I'll do another tour of another piece of the program tomorrow.